0: You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. It's now time to turn back the clock and catch up with some old friends of A's past, exclusively on A's Cast. This is Where Are They Now? Vince Catronio sits down with alumni of the Oakland Athletics to reminisce and discuss current adventures. Here's Vince Catronio. It is time for another episode of Where Are They Now? We're pleased to be joined by former A's outfielder Brandon Moss, who uh, spends these days in Georgia with the family. and just came back from Cooperstown, where one of his sons played in that uh, summer tournament up there. Brandon, how's life? How are the kids? Uh, how are things going in Georgia?
1: Life is great.
0: Uh, the kids are great, and George is hot, but it's all good. I look back on, on the time that you spent with the A's. It was three of the most fun-filled seasons the A's had. I know you played for a lot of clubs. You started with the Red Sox, and we'll get to that in a little bit. But with all the teams you played for, how special was it the time you had in Oakland? Uh, that was
1: the most special time. Um, even, after, you know, even after leaving Oakland, I got to go to St. Louis, and we went to the playoffs that one year, but – I don't know, man. Oakland was just—it it was like on a high school team all over again. You know, you were just with your buddies, and you were just showing up and and playing good ball, giving everything you had. Obviously, we had an
0: awesome manager in Bo Mel, um, and a great. Staff. It was just—it was—it was awesome. Brandon, we first saw you as a as a Red Sox in Japan, and your first home run was against the A's. It was off of Houston Street in the ninth inning. That's our introduction to you. You know, what do you remember about that first Japan trip you know, with the Red Sox team that just came off winning the World Series? Really? I was just excited to be there. I uh, you know, I didn't find out
1: for sure if I'd be going to Japan until like the week before we went. I thought I would just be going just to uh, just to kind of enjoy the scenery and and play in some exhibition games, but then JD Drew's uh, vertigo started acting up right before opening day. And uh, right or right before the game on opening day, and the next thing I knew, I was like hitting like fifth or sixth in the lineup on opening day. I was like, holy crap! I'm I. My whole goal was to just get a hit and not mess up, because my in my major league debut the year before, um, I had kind of cost us the game with a with a with throw into the wrong base in the outfield. I we had had a runner on first. And a uh, ball was hit to left center, and I tried to throw the runner out going first to third, and they ended up taking second on us. And Schilling was uh, on the on the mound, so we had second and third. And we were only up by a run, and they ended up hitting two, ground, two consecutive ground balls to take the lead, and we lost by a run. And so that was all I remembered from my Major League debut was throwing to the wrong base and costing us a win. I was like, I can't let that happen again. So I was just trying not to mess up.
0: Well, you hit the home run, you're with the Red Sox and you play with the Phillies, you play with the Pirates and kind of a, you know, you're, you're kind of trying to find your way. How challenging were those years before, it, as it turns out, we can look back on it now, but it seemed like the A's did a great job of of, of identifying a guy they thought that could help them and kind of sent you a, you know, a, a help line, a rescue line, if you will, and, and you made the most of it
1: yeah I mean I think it's that way for a lot of guys you don't feel like it's that way for a lot of guys when you're watching other players come up and and play well in the big leagues you feel like that there there's so many guys that come up and succeed right away but if you really look at it it takes it takes guys a good two or three seasons to really find their footing some guys come up and contribute right away and then they kind of slide back some guys that you know they just take their time but for me I just never could get going I um I always put an emphasis on batting average. I don't know why. Even coming up with the Red Sox, we were taught to, uh, you know, to pay more attention to to driving the ball and working counts. But it was just something that was ingrained in me. And then going to Pittsburgh, where that was really all they cared about was, was, you know, how it seemed like it, your batting average was the one stat that they paid attention to. Like, it just got ingrained in me more. And I just was a guy that, for some reason, I just couldn't, I didn't have good enough bat-to-ball skills, I guess, to produce a high average. Um, and so it just was one of those things where it wasn't working out. And I always had the power that I had, but I never I never went to the plate looking to use that power. It was always kind of an accident when I would hit for power. And so uh, I was in AAA one year with the Pirates, and I had a hitting coach just be like, hey, Mossy, like this ain't working. Like you, can, You're not going to get back to the big leagues hitting an empty 260 or an empty 270 you're gonna have to drive the ball and so I just started focusing on on kind of figuring out how I could take that swing that I had in batting practice where I'd really stay inside the ball but drive it in the air and how do I make that translate to a game and it took a little bit of time but I mean I think it was kind of a blessing in disguise to spend two years um, after being with the Pirates, basically in A, figuring that out because I went to winter ball against a little bit of better competition and I could still do it. And then when I got called up by Oakland, I was like, okay, here's my chance to see if I can do this in the big leagues. And I mean, it started off kind of rough and I was like, oh man, I hope I hope that they don't only give me like 15 at bats and then kind of move on. I hope it's not like a token call up because you know sometimes that happens when you have opt-outs in your contract you know they'll call you up and they'll give you that little bit of that little bit of time and then they send you back down and you kind of miss that opportunity but I uh Bo Mel told me he was like you know what we're gonna give you a chance you're gonna play you're gonna play and we're gonna see if we can if that translates to, to up here and I mean we went to Colorado and I just had a great series I mean it was one of those places where you're like okay this is where you gotta swing some fly balls. This is the perfect spot to get it locked in. Stop worrying about the base hits. Stop worrying about the fact that you're hitting 120 right now and just try to drive the ball over the fence. And I got really hot for a little bit and that, that just kind of catapulted me forward where I was like, okay, I can ride these waves up and down as long as I'm driving the ball you know, consistently. If, I, if I'm producing on a consistent basis, I don't have to necessarily hit 300 and that's, that's just was kind of my mindset was to try to impact every game you can by driving the ball and and it worked out.
0: Yeah. That kinda of hot in Colorado was four home runs in that series, by the way. So for people that yeah. remember the, the, the way that you kinda of hit the ground running with the athletics, and it was such a, a unique season. It's in many respects for a franchise that's been around for more than five decades. And they've won World Series, maybe it was the most exciting regular season. In the history of that franchise, because you don't get there until the postseason, to the you know you get the the American League West to the last day. Just yeah. remind me, we're going to get to the to the walk off, you know, at the end. But just remind me as you're leading up to that, what that was like inside the clubhouse, that feeling as this team again was steamrolling down this hill, and you were really unstoppable in the second half.
1: I I re- remember I remember when we got to Colorado um we had a pitcher I'm not gonna name a leecher at the time who didn't stay with us the whole year but he he was kind of joking about how bad we were we were like he was like saying like hey guys now we're only like 20 games behind the Texas Rangers and to me I was like well I mean why are we joking about how bad we are you know what I mean like we Uh, you know obviously in your mind you don't think you can catch Texas but you're looking around at the guys on the team and you've got Cespedes and you've got Reddick having a great year and we had we had pretty good pitching and we were all young you're like this isn't a throwaway garbage team like we've got good players we're just not playing well and I remember like just thinking to myself I was like how cool would it be if like we got hot and really really made a run obviously that was kind of naïve to be thinking that at that time. But, you know, when you hear a teammate dog in his team, you're kind of like, you kind of go the other way with it. You know, it kind of makes you mad. You're like, dude, what if, what if, like we're in the major leagues too? And then sure enough, man, we did. We got hot and we, I mean, we had so many walk off wins. We, I mean, I can't, I can't, I can't remember a time ever at any level of baseball where, I felt as good about a team and how we were playing every single night like when we would lose a game you almost knew that we were going to come back and win the game the next day just because and I don't want to say it was this belief that we were saying it in the clubhouse it was just this energy that we had we were so young and like you know the older guys that we had were like Balfour and Coco and those guys and those guys always play with a chip on their shoulder you know they don't they're not guys that just show up to get their work in they show up with a chip on their shoulder and, and they play their hearts out so you know even your older guys after a loss are showing up and they're coming back and they're like hey let, let's get after it so it was just um it's like you said I mean I, you can't put a finger on what it was that made it such a special group but I mean it was almost from the beginning like you're looking around and you're like man we have a good team and then sure enough like Brandon Edge came up and he or he was he was such a high energy guy and he made some awesome plays and then Donaldson kind of going down to AAA and figuring out some things with the leg kick and then coming back and we all know what kind of player he is and the edge he plays with it was just a lot of edgy guys with something to prove and i think when you're young or when you're maybe not quite that young and you're still trying to prove something you play with an edge um that maybe you don't get from a lot of a lot of teams that have like guys that are more veteran guys that are established because they're kind of like, all right, I know I'm going to be good. I know I'm going to play well. You know, we'll just just let the season kind of trudge along.
0: Whereas us, like there was a sense of urgency to it. Having a great conversation with Brandon Moss in our Where Are They Now episode, Brandon living in Georgia where he grew up. And, George, you know, Brandon, when you do what I do, sitting where I sit, you are so thankful to be taken on a ride with a special journey that you guys were part of. And when you hit the walk-off against Seattle, this is in advance of the final series against Texas, which finally takes it over the top, but it was just another reminder. And when you did that in the 10th inning, and I blurted out, it's the walk-off capital of baseball. It was because it was. That was your 14th team walk-off that year. You added another one in the postseason. Just explain what it was like putting that swing on the pitch from Stephen Pryor and going around the bases and just the sense that we are really we're going to make this happen so Moss standing in two on one out of the tenth of the pitch swung on driven deep right field way back there Oakland is the walk-off capital of baseball Brandon Moss a three-run blow the A's have done it again their 14th walk-off of the year there is a mob scene waiting for Brandon Moss, he's at home plate. And the A's have come all the way back. And they've beaten the Mariners 7-4. to Unbelievable.
1: Well, I remember coming up to bat. And, I mean, we had runners at first and second. And I was thinking to myself, I was like, you know, all you got to do is get a base hit. And I was trying to just. I had faced him earlier in that series and he had, he threw hard. He threw like upper nineties, but for some reason, early in that series, he was throwing pitches to just try to get ahead at like 92 or 93 miles an hour. And out which is still hard, but it wasn't the 97 and 98 that he had later in the at bat. And so the whole way up to the plate, I'm trying, I think there were two outs when I hit it, but I was, you know, so you get the at bat and you're like, okay, like, do I, am I going to go up there and be aggressive From the first pitch I faced him twice and he's grooved me a fastball Twice and I popped them both up I was like I'm going to jump on this first pitch heater And sure enough He threw that first pitch heater I mean you don't go up to the plate ever I, I don't think I ever And if I did I never did it Went to the plate thinking I was going to hit a walk off home run I was just you know Trying to drive something and you knew that If you got the right pitching you got the barrel to it That it was going to go But All I was going for every single at-bat was a good result. You know what I mean? Whether it's from the first pitch on or if I have to work a count. And I kind of let the at-bat play out. You know, you go up there with a plan and an approach. And then as the at-bat plays out, you kind of shift it and you kind of change your approach here and there by the way you're getting pitched and you do these things. But that at-bat, for some reason, I was like, I'm just going to jump on this first pitch. I know he's going to groove me a heater. And he did. I mean, he couldn't have thrown it more right down the middle. And he threw it at like 92, 93 And, you know, even to this day when me and my sons are are watching old videos of hitting, like, that's the one home run that my son will watch and be like, you pimp that. And I'm like, no, I did not. I did not. I did not pimp that home run. But, I mean, I did kind of, like, I don't know. It was one of those things where, like, I got the exact pitch I was looking for, and I hit it exactly the way I wanted to. And, you you know, you knew it was gone. It was a walk-off homer, and you just wanted to enjoy it for a minute because it was – it was just a special time and you knew you knew at that time we had the texas series coming up um and we were still trying to kind of stay alive in it because we knew that if we played well against texas that we could win the division but at that point it was like we can't lose if we lose the game or if we lose two games then we're gonna go to the wild card game but i mean it was just i don't know it was just all that whole season that whole three years was special it felt like It felt like up until the second half of 2014 like we could do no wrong you know what I mean I
0: watched it I I know exactly what you're saying it was a great ride to be a part of how much fun was that first postseason I know it didn't turn out the way the A's wanted to you're facing a guy who's still pitching Justin Verlander he's still throwing 97 getting people out and he's mad when people get hits against them. but that series against the Tigers I just remember the building was shaking and It was a great back and forth and a chance to go to game five. Uh, That had to be so much fun.
1: Well, that was the first time that I really learned that that guy, Verlander, is a totally different animal in the regular season and in the postseason. In the regular season, I always hit him fine. You know what I mean? He would mix his pitches. If he needed fastball on a big count, he could gear it up and probably get it by you. But when we faced him in the postseason those two years, it was it was a, it was it was not the same guy. That guy that he didn't miss a spot. His fastball seemed like he was five miles an hour. Couldn't use his off speed nearly as much as He really wanted it. He could just get it by you, even if you were geared up for it. And I mean that was when I truly learned what a Hall of pitcher looks like you know on paper on paper that was probably one of the best pitching staffs you could have going into a postseason you know what I mean and so we we had our work cut out for them, and we worked them well but yeah the postseason didn't work out the way we wanted to but I think getting there the way we got there pretty much set the tone for the next two years that that you know we knew we knew what it would be like and the hardest it could possibly be to get to the postseason and we knew that if we just played better from the beginning going forward that it wouldn't be that hard to get there and I mean it just I don't know man it was just it was the—it was special I don't even know how to describe it because when you're in it and you're going to the ballpark every single day you're not really taking that long view of it and you're not really kind of stepping outside of it and seeing how special it is instead you're going to the ballpark every day trying to figure out how to win a baseball game and uh you don't get to look at it the way you get to look at it in hindsight looking at it in hindsight it's crazy what we did it's crazy it's crazy what billy and 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 uh dave were able to put together it was you know having bob couldn't have had a more perfect guy and chip as the bench coach and and gags at third but we just had a great group all the way through all the way through and um I would be – even teams that win the World Series, even teams that go all the way, I would be – I would think it would be hard-pressed to find a group that was as
0: cohesive as ours was. Brandon, in in today's game, there's something that doesn't occur that you were a part of, and that's a game that lasted six hours and went 19 innings. And that was the following year in April against the Angels. Uh, They've got the Ghost Runners now, which expedites the game so guys can get out of there and, you don't. blowout pitchers and all that stuff. Uh, And the old John Cruck line that if room service is closed already, you might as well stay here and win the game. And you win it with the (laughs) walk-off. And, I mean, talk about exhausting for you guys to be out there and grind that along. And you did it with a walk-off home run. That had to be (laughs) – that was one heck of a night, wasn't it? No balls and one strike. And now the 0-1 pitch on the way. Swung on and drilled to right. Way back. Hamilton at the track. Leaping at the wall gone after six and a half hours in the bottom of the 19th inning Brandon Moss has won it for the A's it is an early morning walk-off for the A's a two-run home run the A's have won it in the 19th by the final of 10-8
1: man I'm gonna tell you that was so this will give you a good example of how tired we all had to be. First pitch of the at-bat, I think, you know, I go up there and I'm like, all right, I I'm. I think we had runners on first and second there too. And so I was like, all right, I'm going to sit on that changeup and I'm going to try to pull it into right field for a base hit. He throws me that first pitch changeup and I'm late. I'm like, oh, my gosh, I'm late on a changeup right now. I look up and it's like four miles an hour. Like, Holy crap, I'm late. So I'm like, screw it. I'm just going to look for a fastball. He throws me another changeup, And I mean, I'm sitting fastball and I get the barrel to it. And I'm like, and I hit it. And I was like, I had to be a fastball. And you're looking up as you're around the bases. I'm looking at the velo on the board. And it was like 84, 85. And I'm like, oh my gosh. I'm like, that's how tired we were. And then I think we were supposed to have a day game the next day. But it ended up getting pushed to like an afternoon or an evening game, and I, I remember we were facing Garrett Richards, and I was like, "We're about to have to face 97 after facing after playing 19 innings the night night before." I was like, "I just hope I get a hit. I just hope I get one hit. Let's try to get a win a hit in this game and see how it works out because that was a long game. I think, you know, I mean, it's just crazy. Like that game. That
0: game was insane. Absolutely what? insane." one of the great things for ace fans and i would imagine it, it it certainly plays in the clubhouse as well is that billy Beane and david forrest have always historically team is in a position to get to the post and they feel like they can do it they're going to go for it and yeah. yeah i just wonder in you know afterwards because on paper john lester did everything you could ask of him to do as a starter for the A's. he had a era barely over two he went deep in games he was the ace he did everything that you wanted that guy to do that you hope was going to lead you into a deep postseason run. But I also wonder, because the second half, like you mentioned earlier, struggled and you needed Sonny Gray to, to throw a complete game against the Rangers on the last day just to get to the playing game against Kansas City, that would, with, with Cespedes gone, traded to Boston. He, he took the spotlight with him. It affected the offense. How challenging was that? right
1: before he got traded i met. i had messed up my hip somehow and i had started to like feel it and so i absolutely tanked in the second half donaldson didn't do that great in the second half jed lowry didn't do that great in the second half we our offense as a whole kind of tanked and you can't that was because despedus left i mean you know obviously he would have helped and picked up some slack but we got, we had our pitching staff got much better after the break. We got Samarja. Uh, Hamill ended up, even though after his first few outings he didn't pitch that great, settled in and did okay. And obviously Lester, I mean we we uh, we had everything right. And then you look at the Kansas City game. I, it all boils down to this: we got to the postseason. Uh, you know what I mean? Like, it wasn't the way we wanted to get there, and it wasn't how we would have wanted to get there. We obviously would have loved to have won the division, but even if we'd have won the division, we still would have had to deal with the, with, the, with the way Kansas City played. And I just think that when you look at the two teams and how they matched up, we couldn't have been more opposite. We were starting pitching and power and patience, and they were relief pitching and speed and and, and just chaos and defense. And, I mean, it was a really cool contrast to watch that game. I watch that game while I'm working out or running kind of often. And I just think it was an awesome game. You can't say anything about that game, obviously. Like, offensively, we put up eight runs, seven runs, eight runs. And so, you know, you look at that and you're like, all right, the offense did their job. Lester went seven innings. You know what I mean? So, he did his job. Obviously, the wheels kind of started to come off. But – uncharacteristically our bullpen kind of faltered we couldn't throw out base runners they did their job they put pressure on us and they and they succeeded in doing their job i mean they tied the game with a sack fly to right by who was it ioki after they hit a triple off the left center field wall that both fold was it was it uh sam and um johnny hey john after yeah. yeah yeah and that's what i'm saying. Like. What can you look at real that was just a baseball game, you know, we lost a baseball game I can't look at that game. I watch it all the time, and I can't really look at it and be like Man, that was why we lost that game. We just got beat at baseball. We hit home runs We also put runs up on them after we after the after the home runs and Extended the lead and they kind of chipped back and chipped away their bullpen came in and did exactly what their bullpen always does Which is shut it down. I mean we hit Herrera pretty well, and then uh, Holland, Davis, Finnegan, those guys all came in and did well. Like, like, that's just a baseball game. That's
0: just how it goes. But in that game, two things that that to me in some ways helped influence the outcome was Soto coming out of the game from behind the plate. He got hurt, and so he was a better thrower than Derek Norris behind the plate. And that was but on a baseball story. play, yeah. And then Coco. Yeah cramping up or whatever. He couldn't stay in the game where maybe he catches that ball in left center field instead of uh, the ball going off the wall. Just those are small things. I know it's, it's, it is arguably the most traumatic loss in Oakland history, especially the playoffs. Uh, But like you said, you, you, you play the game and you, and you have to move on as best you can.
1: No doubt. It was definitely the worst feeling loss I ever played in. There was never a game I ever played in before or after that, that hurt as bad to lose as that game just because, you know, so much was riding on it and so much had been put into it and we gave, some, like, the effort, I mean, obviously the effort is always there, but, like, I mean, just the back and forth of it and the emotions of it, and I don't know. It was just, obviously, looking back at it, like, you're just, you're proud that you were a part of it because, in my opinion, it's the best wall card game that's ever been played. But, I mean... You know, you just – somebody's got to win it and somebody's got to lose it. And they ended up – they ended up having some balls fall their way that we didn't. We played our our type of game. Uh, we weren't big stolen base guys. Um, we had pretty good defense, but we weren't really – we weren't as fast as they were. And they played their type of game. They didn't – I don't know that they hit a single home run in that game. But they played awesome, you know what I mean? And they stole bases, and they, they their bullpen came in and did what it was supposed to do. And then they had a guy that had just pitched in the College World Series come in that, and, and pitch an inning or two against the meat of a lineup in and, and Finnegan, and he did well. I mean, you know, you just – you got to play the game, and the game just didn't go our way that night, which is really unfortunate. But it was still an awesome game.
0: Winding down our conversation with Brandon Moss in our Where Are They Now segment. Brandon, how how close attention do you pay to uh, Major League Baseball these days? I know you're busy with the kids and, and helping them. And, and what's your sense, of uh, because you've got – you're surrounded by young kids that are playing the game and, and your belief that the game is, is still in good hands and, and it's still going to be the greatest game ever?
1: Uh, well, I'm a baseball rat. I uh, – every – that's all I watch. That's all me and my oldest son and my youngest son talk about and watch. We're constantly involved in it. I, um, I'm coach. I coach a high school team now where my son goes to school and he's obviously doing the travel ball stuff. Both of them are. And, um, you know, I think that I find out, I find the most that, uh, as a coach and as a dad that you want to see is the game played the right way. You know, I, my son, you know, you, 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 you my sons are on these different teams and you see coaches and they're different ways of teaching things and they're different ways of going about things. And you always want to have the coaches back because they're trying to teach things their certain way. And they love the game just like you do. But the thing I talk about to my oldest son right now, especially is after every single tournament, after every single game, I ask him to ask himself three questions. I said, the number one question you ask yourself is did you give your team everything you had? If you gave your team everything you had, then that is the number one thing that is most important that you can do, that you can control. I said, whether it went well or whether it went or went bad, if you gave your best effort and you put it all out there for them, that's all you can do. And I said, number two is you assess how you did. Did I do well or did I do poorly? And then you, and you're honest with yourself. And then the third thing is what can I do to improve to be a little bit better next time that we go out there. And if you're playing the game with those three things in mind, then you're playing the game the right way. And I think that that's the most important thing to teach young kids. Like, obviously, there's there's rules and respect for the game and all that. But if you go out there and you respect the game and you respect yourself and play it the right way, good things happen regardless, no matter your talent level. And that's what I ask of all these kids. And I think that, you know, obviously – MLB is going through a lot of changes um that I mean some of these changes they've gone through since covid are just they're just different you know what I mean but that's part of an, an ever evolving game and um no good or bad i think that it's always good that uh players and the front offices are looking for ways to 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 make the game more enjoyable to watch and more enjoyable to play um and as far as the hands that the game is in, the hands is always, in my opinion, going to be – the game is always going to be in the hands of the players. They are the, they are the product. They are what everyone looks to when they watch the game played. They're not listening to what the commissioner of baseball says. They're not listening to what a lot of people are saying. They're watching the players play the game on the field. And I think that today's players play the game very well. It's enjoyable to – to me, I know you hear a lot of old-timers talk about the different ways that the different areas of the game and obviously you know playing it at different levels and seeing it and coaching it at different levels you do like to see a little bit more small ball with players that don't have the talent of these guys in the big leagues but when you go watch the big boys play and you get to see them use the talent that they have uh on such a big stage and and i think that the game it's always going to be in in great hands because it's always going to be in the hands of the talented players and that's who everyone's trying to emulate anyway
0: brandon those three years with the a's you were always available to us uh you're a joy to talk to even without a microphone just around a batting cage like you said a baseball rat you love talking the game you love talking hitting i'm glad you're helping uh, the youth play the game i'd love to see you continue that even at a higher level because i think you have a lot to give to the game in, in a real positive way and gosh uh, ace fans know you gave them a ton of memories and a ton of smiles <laughs> i can't thank you enough for doing this As a it was a great chance to catch up. Hope to see you at the Coliseum at some point, who knows when, or see when the A's are on the road somewhere. And uh, and uh, I tell you what, you'd get you get a nice round of applause. You gave them a lot of smiles. Thanks for doing this. Thanks, Vince. Man, obviously I loved it there too. And I,
1: Oakland always puts a smile on my face. I, I definitely want to get back there eventually just to, just to, I don't know, just to relive it again. It, it would be good to smell it and be there again and just
0: kind of relive it. It's a great place. That's our great conversation with Brandon Moss in this episode of Where Are They Now? This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics.